Did you know that all Jews have an inheritance? Paul's discourse in Romans chapters 9 to 11 is a cohesive exposition directed to Jewish believers in Christ who are insisting that their Gentile brethren be circumcised and study the law as a requirement to participate in the covenant community of the God of Israel. In Paul's introduction in chapters 9, he appears to be supporting the self-righteous status of these Jewish believers by listing all the privileges that God has bestowed upon his people Israel. To the Jews belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. However, Paul delivers these words as sarcastic irony to accuse the Jewish believers of teaching a doctrine contrary to the gospel of Christ. You must now resist the temptation to conclude that these Jews will not be saved. I have demonstrated in another teaching that the Jews in Rome were believers in Christ. But there is more. All Jews are God's people who have been born to an inheritance called the birthright. Speaking to Moses, God declared, You shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. The firstborn son was entitled to the inheritance of the birthright. However, unless they overcome the sin of pride, these Jewish believers in Rome will be found unworthy of this special inheritance of the birthright to which the firstborn son was born. This means they will not qualify to participate in the future role of the remnant, which will be comprised of those who inherit the birthright. However, they will still belong to God and will inherit, although it will not be the leadership role of the birthright. We see this concept of belonging to God without inheriting the birthright with Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob who lost the birthright, but the tribe of Reuben still inherited land in the promised land. Let me briefly summarize five features of the birthright that will characterize the remnant. First, the son entitled to the birthright will receive a double portion of his father's land and possessions. The purpose is to give him the resources he will need to overcome the enemy. Second, the son with the birthright receives a special blessing. Take, for example, Jacob, who purchased his brother's birthright and later stole Esau's blessing, Jacob's blessing reflects the birthright of leadership. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Because Jacob would inherit the birthright, all his brothers would have to submit to him as leader and lord. Third was the role of high priest, which gave the son with the birthright a direct connection to God. So when the leader spoke to his people, they had to obey because he was speaking for God. Fourth, the son with the birthright received a position of authority and leadership, Upon the death of his father, the firstborn became the next leader of his clan or tribe, which made his elevation to this authoritative position part of his inheritance. Fifth, the son with the birthright increased the strength of his tribe through procreation, which is abundant seed or offspring. Reuben was the firstborn son of Jacob, which meant he was entitled to inherit the birthright. In Reuben's blessing, we first hear attributes of the one born to the birthright. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. The power conveyed by the original Hebrew word results from procreative abundance of descendants for the purpose of conquest which we also see in the blessing of abundant seed given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Nevertheless, as Reuben's blessing continues, we learn that Reuben lost the birthright which was given to Joseph. Uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. To summarize, the first son was entitled to his birthright by virtue of the position of his birth. And all the Jews have been born with the birthright as God's firstborn son. However, this special inheritance of leadership could be lost because of unworthy behavior. So in summary, the birthright bestowed five benefits. First was a double portion of his father's land and possessions. Second was a special blessing that was greater than the blessings of his brothers. Third was the office of high priest to his family, clan, or tribe. Fourth was a leadership position of authority over his clan. Finally, the son with the birthright was endowed with procreative power to strengthen his clan or tribe for the purpose of conquest. These birthright benefits are attributes of leadership. In the prophetic passages, they point to the future role of a remnant for leadership and service to God and his people. Yeshua fills these roles. He is Lord of his people, high priest, and commander in battle. The concept of his abundant seed is thought-provoking. The seed, or descendants, will apparently be after its own kind, as we read in the creation account. Therefore, Yeshua's future offspring, whom God will find worthy to serve with him and the remnant, will be righteous. How will the offspring of Yeshua be righteous? Who will be righteous? Why must they be righteous? Paul addresses these questions in Romans chapters 9 to 11. If you wish to learn more about the remnant, I have written a series of four books on the remnant that you can find on Amazon. I recommend you start with Israel's inheritance, then move on to a remnant of the church. Then the third book is The Role of the Remnant in the Great Tribulation and the Millennial Kingdom, and ending with exciting disclosures in the end of time revealed in Israel's fall festivals.